Thank you for joining us for Outfront Magazine. My name is Michael Cisneros. Welcome. You are listening to Aftersight. This recording is intended solely for individuals who are blind or have low vision. Thank you for joining us for Outfront Magazine. My name is Michael Cisneros. Today's reading is for January 30th. Today I'll be reading these three articles and more. Gen Z is more likely to be queer than Republican by Kendall McLean. Indigiqueer artist Roger Kuhn discovers his true colors by Larry Olson. And A Guide to the Lesbian Master Doc, the Influential PDF in Sapphic Spaces by Clara Gauthier. Gen Z is more likely to be queer than Republican. Studies show that Generation Z is more likely to identify as queer than Republican. Gen Z consists of 18 to 26-year-olds born between 1997 and 2012. The generation holds an ethically and racially diverse range of Americans in a highly concentrated queer and progressive population. They de-emphasize the need for specific labels, with an increase in people identifying under the umbrella term queer, as opposed to those terms. Gen Z often finds connection through social media, which could allow for a wider political view and easy access to queer role models and information. 52% of Gen Z adults say engaging in social media is somewhere important for creating connections compared to 32% of the general population. The increase in queer identities and the decrease in Republican ideals are encouraged by social media. As information is readily available to those who question their sexuality or are curious about politics, 75% of the main social media platforms have more Democratic than Republican users, leading many Gen Zers with social media as their primary source of news to lean Democratic. Factors such as the rise of social media have lessened the amount Gen Z Republicans, 21% of Millennials, and Gen Z identify as Republican, while 28% of Gen Xers and 32% of Baby Boomers affiliate with the Republican Party. This decrease in Republican identification simultaneously occurs at the same time as the increase in LGBTQ plus identities. This access to queer role models on social media, as well as society becoming more accepting, has led to an increase in Gen Zers identifying as LGBTQ+. 28% of Gen Z's adults identify as LGBTQ+, while 16% of Millennials and 7% of Gen X identify with the community. This shift in political and sexual identity goes hand-in-hand, hand, as Democratic ideals generally value LGBTQ plus rights more than Republicans. Gen Z is more likely to be queer, 28%, than Republican, 21%, leading to the more diverse and accepting society. Indigiqueer artist Roger Kuhn discovers his true colors. I always knew I was different from other kids my age, says musician Roger Kuhn. In addition to standing out as biracial and bicultural, his father was one of German and Russian descent, and his mother is a tribal Porch Creek woman. Roger says he never felt quite settled in his skin. 
I didn't feel like a boy, nor did I feel like a girl. I grew up loving He-Man, Thundercats, Barbie, and She-Ra. I used to pretend I was Madonna and David Bowie at the same time. It wasn't until his mid-twenties when Roger discovered what it meant to be a two-spirit. Coined by Native tribal Dr. Myra Laramie in 1990, two-spirit is used to signify individuals of all genders who blur those lines. In most tribes, they are considered neither men nor women. They occupy a distinct alternative gender status. Roger describes his gender and sexuality as circular and not on a fixed binary. It's like peering through a kaleidoscope and seeing multiple shapes, colors, and expressions, and beauty, he explains. He sings about it in his new single, Kaleidoscope, a song rooted in classic house and progressive EDM that champions finding inner strength and celebrating liberation. And his new book, Semicultural Liberation, out this month, for me, freedom is living my truth and pursuing my dreams, he continues. It is why, after working as a psychotherapist for the past decade, Roger Kuhn decided to take time away from his practice to prioritize his creative expression once again. He explains more from his home in Los Angeles. Growing up in conservative North Dakota had to be difficult for you. If I wasn't being picked on for being biracial, I was being made fun of for my perceived gender and sexual orientation variants. I was always a target, and it was sad because feeling included was so important. Being treated with equality and equity is vital to one's well-being. One of the primary reasons I became a musician and author was to break free from the limitations that others placed on me my whole life. I discovered that through writing and song, I could share my truth. What is your truth? That I am an indigiqueer person. There are few examples of indigiqueer people in mainstream media. I've had to learn new ways to navigate systems that were put in place to silence and control indigenous people. Have you faced discrimination within the LGBTQ community? Countless times, both personally and collectively, being indigenous and LGBTQIA+, presents with unique complications. We face different issues and challenges that others in the community do not experience or understand. I have stood my ground with many Caucasian gay men who have tried to convince me that they were marginalized as black, indigenous, and people of color, and LGBTQIA plus people are. What exactly does it mean to be a two-spirit? Two-spirit is a term used by indigenous people who have gender and sexual orientation variants and a deep connection to their native identity. I first learned the term in 2005 from another two-spirit person who, upon meeting me, said to me, Oh, you're like me, two-spirit. He then explained what it meant, and I immediately resonated with the term. I identify more as a two-spirit than I do as gay, because if being a Native American person is as important to me as my identity as a gay person. Two-spirit allows me to not have to choose. What pronouns do you prefer to use? I use he, him pronouns, though I am also comfortable with they, them. If we are homies, she works too. I'm curious to know how you feel about Demi Lovato switching her pronouns from they, them back to she, her after she grew tired of having to explain her gender identity. I believe it's important to recognize that some people come from a privileged place where they don't have to explain themselves. For others, living in our truth requires work and a willingness to be witness in our vulnerability. 
is Kaleidoscope intended to be a two-spirit anthem? It's an anthem for all of us, really. Kaleidoscope is about trusting our vulnerability and pursuing our innermost truth. For me, part of that was to embrace my identity as a Porch Creek two-spirit person and to advocate for other LGBTQIA+, and also marginalized people. In 2022, you were featured in the Levi's Pride Parade, promoting awareness and acceptance within the two-spirit community. How did that come about? Six years ago, I made a sign that I carried with me in the San Francisco Pride Parade. It read, Decolonize Sexuality. It got a lot of attention. It was featured in several media outlets. I carried this sign again in this year's parade, and it caught the attention of Levi's. They reached out and invited me to partake in a photo shoot that they ended up using in their Pride campaign. The campaign ran in Target and Macy's stores in the U.S. and appeared internationally on Levi's social media. Where are you in the quest to find happiness and satisfaction in your life? I am at a really great place in my life. I know that all the work I have done on myself over the years has paid off. I have great connection with all of my family and friends, and this year I will celebrate my 18th anniversary with my husband, 15 years married. What advice would you have for someone still struggling to find their place and or their people? Don't put on facades. I am careful to always be open, honest, caring, and supportive. I don't give any of my time or talent to people who don't respect my boundaries and limitations. Ultimately, I love myself and know myself enough to recognize that I still have a lot to learn and unlearn. I welcome growth and change. I encourage others to do the same. What do you hope fans take away from Kaleidoscope? The power of vulnerability will lead you closer to your liberation. Trust that you have wings and you can soar. Roger Kuhn's Kaleidoscope is being distributed by So Fierce Music, The Orchard, and Sony Music Entertainment and is available on all digital platforms. A Guide to the Lesbian Master Doc, the influential PDF in Suffolk Spaces. The Lesbian Master Doc has been an influential piece of literature since its publishing in 2018 that nearly every sapphic on the internet has read. Originally published by Tumblr user Anjali Luce, known as Cyber Lesbian, who wrote The Lesbian Master Doc while trying to figure out her sexuality in high school. It quickly rose to popularity on the social media site. While the original Google Doc is no longer accessible, the document has been downloaded as a PDF and re-uploaded so often that it's fairly easy to find. The document itself functions as a guide to help people figure out if they are a lesbian. It explores lived experiences with compulsory heterosexuality, often referred to as comfet, and how it is not equal to attraction to men. Compulsory heterosexuality refers to the struggle that many lesbians experience as they attempt to separate how they truly feel about men from how they are expected to feel, which causes many lesbians to believe they are attracted to men. Due to the emphasis on lived experiences rather than queer theory, it is easier for the everyday person to find, understand, and internalize in a way that is beneficial to each individual's understanding of their sexuality. The document has been making its way into the public eye with both Renee Rapp and Kalani bringing it up in recent interviews. 
Kalani credits it with helping them realize that they were dating men out of compulsory heterosexuality rather than out of attraction, saying in an interview, when I had to list and analyze why I still am dating men, none of it had to do with being in love. While not a perfect tool, it is helpful to many young sapphics as they try to explore their sexuality in a world where women's sexuality is often defined by their relationship with men. OFM Gallery, an interview with Squirrel Flower. Squirrel Flower, the stage name of Chicago-based music artist Ella O'Connor Williams, is an indie rock artist with a melancholy style who recently released her newest album titled Tomorrow's Fire. She began releasing music in 2015 when her first album titled Early Winter Songs from Middle America came out. One of her most popular songs is her cover of So Hot You're Hurting My Feelings by Carolyn Polachek that she released in 2020. She is currently touring throughout the U.S. with support from alternative indie band Goon, and OFM had the opportunity to sit down with her before the show at Larimer Lounge on January 23rd to learn more about her style and the inspirations behind her witch rock aesthetic. The interview is by Ivy Owens and Lydia Tremel. What are your ins and outs for music in 2024? My in is listening to music on CDs, and my outs are competitiveness and trying to make music that fits into the algorithm. How did growing up in the suburbs of Boston influence your current music tastes and style? And are there any bands in particular that stood out to you when you were growing up? I think the Boston DIY scene was very influential for me in high school. I started going to shows when I was like 18 and just experienced some crazy shit. Being able to see what the music scene could be and what music could be made is what really made me want to create music in a scene like that. Gorilla Toss was a big one for me, and seeing Lightning Bolt shows when they would come up from Providence and play. Honestly, there are countless bands, but those are some of the main ones. What inspired your newest album, Tomorrow's Fire? A lot of it comes from living and having moved to Chicago. It's all about living in the city and trying to balance daily life and its challenges while also being a musician and wanting that to be the main thing in my life. Who is your dream collaboration? Dean Blunt. What's the backstory behind the name Squirrel Flower? I came up with it as a child, actually, and it was sort of like an alter ego that I came up with for myself. When I started making this kind of music when I was 18, I didn't want to use my name because it felt too boring, and I wanted a little bit of creative distance from it. I was trying to think of a moniker to use, and I remembered the name Squirrel Flower. When I decided to put music out there under that name, I never thought anybody would hear it. And to be able to do this now, it's really insane that people know that. Why do you describe your music as witch rock? I don't really like genre descriptors, and I don't really know how else to describe it. I think it's witchy and it's rock and roll. As an artist, why is reaching out to the queer community through music important to you? I think as a queer person, making music, at least the way I experience it, is feeling like I have a responsibility to be vocal about things other than music. It's about creating spaces that are truly accessible to all people and trying not to separate music from politics. Do you have a favorite way to like listen to music, like vinyl, CDs, headphones, etc.? 
I really like CDs. My van has a CD player, and I have a collection of CDs, most of them being Bruce Springsteen. I also have an old Bikini Kill demo, Nirvana on MTV Live, and Madonna. I have a great collection, and when we drove here from Omaha yesterday, we listened to Nebraska on CD. Ugandan activists challenge Kill the Gays law in court. A group of Ugandan activists is seeking to repeal the country's 2023 anti-homosexuality bill, which has been dubbed the Kill the Gays Law. Them reported in December that five judges in the capital city of Kampala have begun officially reviewing the arguments filed by an allied group of Ugandan academics, legislatures, and LGBTQ plus activists. The suit aims to overturn the extreme bill that endorses punishment up to death for members of the LGBTQ plus community that President Yawuri Mazavina signed back in May of last year. With the passage of the bill, Uganda became the fourth African country to make homosexuality punishable by death. A person charged with aggravated homosexuality would be subject to death under the bill. The bill defines aggravated homosexuality as having same-sex relations with someone who is HIV positive, a minor, or anyone else whom the nation deems vulnerable. According to the Human Rights Watch, those who commit the offense of homosexuality can face imprisonment for up to a decade, and those who promote homosexuality can be imprisoned for up to 20 years. The law also targets transgender people carrying the same decade sentence and criminalizing anyone who identifies as anything contrary to binary categories of male and female, further criminalizing homosexuality as homosexual acts are now considered non-consensual. Arizona Christian organization Family Watch International has been connected to the Ugandan bill. Family Watch International has been labeled an extremist hate group by Southern Poverty Law Center. The organization's president, Sharon Slater, allegedly has close ties with Ugandan president's wife, Janet Museveni as well as other supporters of the Kill the Gay Law. The Christian organization was also a key organizer of the African Regional Interparliamentary Conference that occurred a month before Parliament passed the bill. Lawmakers and officials from more than a dozen countries in Africa attended the conference. After the conference, Mr. Vianney tweeted on April 4th of 2023, I recently had the honor of meeting with Mrs. Sharon Slater, president of Family Watch International, and her team. They attended the first African Regional Interparliamentary Conference in Uganda, focusing on global challenges that threaten African families and values. Uganda has a history of discriminatory practices against LGBTQ plus folks, but this bill has stirred global concerns, giving the harsh which is putting it very lightly, sentencing. The country passed a similar law back in 2014, but the previous law had a lighter punishment. Aggravated homosexuality could result in life imprisonment, and the promotion of homosexuality is criminalized. However, Fox Adoy Oiwi Lowo, the senior legal counsel for President Museveni, aided in overturning the discriminatory laws nearly a decade ago. He was also one of only two Ugandan MPs who voted against the most recent Kill the Gays law. Fox Adoy Oiwi Lowo is 
joins advocates attempting to repeal the new bill. He told Open Democracy in March of last year, I don't understand why heterosexuals are so timid in their skin, why they think that the LGBTQ plus community is the greatest threat to survival of mankind. If they are gay, let them live. The air you breathe will not be any less. With this new bill still in effect, queer folks, advocates, and allies in the country are under constant distress and direct assault. This ban is more than an attack on LGBTQ plus rights. It is a violation of human rights. In times of great atrocity, advocates and displaced people are in need of support. If you have the time or funds, supporting relief programs can provide essential aid for communities under attack in Uganda. You can also find more information about organizations providing relief at their websites listed below. Outright International, Rainbow World Fund, Let's Walk Uganda. Ohio bans gender-affirming care for minors, limits access for adults. The State Senate of Ohio has banned gender-affirming care for minors, overriding the governor's veto. They have also announced a string of new policies which target access to transgender health care for adults. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine has previously vetoed a minor's transgender health care ban while making plans to ban gender-affirming surgeries for minors despite such surgeries being rare or even non-existent in the state. However, in a 24-8 vote, the state Senate overturned DeWine's veto on HB 68 on Wednesday. This bill, ironically referred to as the Saving Adolescents from Experimentation Safe Act, bans all forms of gender-affirming care for minors in Ohio, including hormone therapy and gender reassignment surgery. It also requires all schools up to the collegiate level to distinguish separate sports teams based on sex, essentially banning transgender athletes from competing in alignment with their gender identity. Ohio has a tumultuous past with LGBTQ plus rights. It was the location of multiple neo-Nazi attacks on queer events last year, and the Republican-dominated state government has been pushing an anti-trans agenda for years. Now, with HB 68 passed, it looks like Ohio legislatures are looking to expand their restrictions even further. One week after DeWine vetoed the bill for minors, he announced a slew of policy affecting adult health care. These new rules require a whole team of people involved in order to access gender-affirming care, including but not limited to an endocrinologist, a bioethicist, and a psychiatrist. Patients as old as 21 would also need at least six months of counseling before starting any sort of hormone medication or surgery. State transgender policies affecting adults are quite rare in the United States, but this sets a dangerous precedent. DeWine claims that these new policies are meant to ensure that adults as well as children are protected from improper health care. However, the restrictions will only serve to make life harder for transgender people and block hundreds of individuals from receiving the care that they need. Hormone therapy is already proven to be safe. Having additional requirements for adults and straight-up banning gender-affirming care for minors can only harm transgendered patients. Conversation therapy still has a prominent issue in America. 
throughout the history of the queer community, which has seen decades upon decades of discrimination, there is a practice that has been the most troubling of all, conversion therapy. While this practice has been outlawed in 22 states, including D.C., it is still being illegally practiced in the states that have banned it. Conversion therapy is a practice that aims at changing someone's sexual orientation to straight. This practice has been denounced by many activists as conversion therapy is very harmful. It can cause an increase in suicidal ideation, depression, low self-esteem, and substance abuse. Ted Lieu, a California representative, introduced a bill that would ban conversion therapy on a national level, citing that conversion therapy has no medical basis and truly doesn't change anyone's sexual orientation or way of being. Sadly, hate goes a very long way in our community, so much that the parents are willing to sacrifice the well-being of their children to save themselves from embarrassment and hate from those around them. Parents are supposed to have unconditional amounts of love, not love with conditions. This is a very tragic and unfortunate reality as 10% of queer people have fallen victims to conversion therapy, and at least 17% of queer youth have been threatened with it. While they may seem like small percentages, they bring out big figures when put into numbers. Alarmingly, author Kasich Pick and her team found that more than 1,320 conversion therapy practitioners are working with religious organizations. 100 of those are licensed therapists. Pick found that they work throughout almost every state except Hawaii and Vermont. This is very sad, as these states include almost all the states that have banned conversion therapy. Pick also found that when people are searching for so-called practitioners, their advertisements no longer use the original term, but rather words like unwanted same-sex attraction in order to get clientele. This is one of the many things that the queer community has to deal with on top of the mountain of hate that we have to deal with on the basis. What many parents do not realize is that being queer goes beyond a phase that just goes away. It is a feeling that is felt in the depths of the heart, and it therefore should be respected. Thank you again for joining us for Outfront Magazine. My name is Michael Cisneros. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aftersight.org or by calling 303-786-7777. Thank you again for joining us for Outfront Magazine. My name is Michael Cisneros.